Today on Never Was a Gamer, a plumber comes and goes without ever fixing Peach's flooded basement. Sad. Welcome to Never Was a Gamer, the show where a late-blooming gamer makes up for lost time discovering everyone else's formative games. I'm Michelle, and with me as always is the Lakitu that hovers behind me and captures all my failures, Dimitri. <laughs> Again with the Lakitu. Well, I learned more about his role in this <laughs> yeah, one. At least now you know what he does in we this one. We have specificity for this <laughs> one. <laughs> There's a lot of jobs, that Lakitu. He's a man of many... Or I guess it's not the same Lakitu. No, guess it can't be. Right, because we see other Lockatoos in this game throwing the shells. Presumably captured by the camera that the other Lockatoo is. Wow. Yeah. We just learned so much about it's them the whole as a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today. Michelle has completed Mario 64. Yep. She finished with, I think, 72 stars. Yeah. She swung Bowser around by his tail, threw him into the bombs several times. Several times. He's dead. And so we're here to He'll never return again. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing you dealt with that problem. <laughs> yeah, so uh I guess we should just uh jump right in. <laughs> it's a me, not a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, well okay, let's get this back on track. This game is a uh, <laughs> Stunner. I don't know when I've ever played a cleverer platformer, and I feel like clever is a word that could be pejorative, but I mean it just in the positive sense here. Yeah, so yeah, I guess so what do you mean by it? Do you mean in terms of ideas, design-wise? Design. A hundred percent design. Yeah. I the thing that constantly wowed me in this game is I felt like it just had it had this excess of riches that it just can't wait for you to see all of. Like around every corner, there's something new. Like I can't believe how many characters and setups are used just once in this. Like mm-hmm. unique to this specific level, there's only one of this in the entire game. You're never going to see it again. We're not going to dip back into this pool. Just so much packed into every inch. Like unbelievable density of ideas in this game. Yeah, I think what's really cool about this especially is um, you really did get to experience this game like most people did as maybe their first 3D platformer because you, right. you haven't really played other 3D platformers. I mean, it's not really a genre. Yeah. Uh, yeah, at yeah. Least it's not a, a popular genre like it was uh, in the N64 era anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you were... You were learning all the new tropes and discovering all the tricks just as like just as I did. That's funny. I really like that point. That's totally true. Yeah. I mean, I just uh, I'm just floored by the density. Honestly, I feel like I said this about the Link's Awakening overworld, but um, that's just top to bottom every inch of this game. Yeah. And the thing that struck me while watching you play and I mean, I've played this game a number of times, but still it feels experimental to me. Like Mm -hmm. you said, there are so many ideas, so many ideas that are just used once. And that I mean, that's something that the Mario games do. They they don't really overuse a lot of their ideas, but it's still clearly a game that's trying to figure out what works in 3D. Right. Um, right. Some things don't work as well, <laughs> but but that's kind of part of the charm of this game. But yet it's still shockingly refined for a first attempt. Yeah. But still so unrefined in a lot of ways. And like <laughs> there's so much unpredictability. And it was I don't know, there's like a feeling of chaos yes. throughout. Absolutely. I, I find. 
And yeah, and I think this is something maybe that had been lost in some of the subsequent 3D Mario games that for me anyway, I only got this feeling of kind of chaos and unpredictability and never really knowing what's going to be around the corner with Odyssey. I felt that again with Odyssey. Right. And I love all the other 3D Mario games. Like I love the galaxies, but they're almost two perfect little nuggets of streamlined Mm -hmm. platforming in some ways. Yep. And I just love not knowing what's coming next and being constantly surprised. Um, yeah, it's it's incredible. And I think this goes back to a, a thing we brought up on the on the last episode about why we like the Mario series, even the, like the 2D ones, mm-hmm. is that they strike this balance between exploration and platforming and momentum. Right. And I don't know, for me, this style of 3D Mario platformer is the best version, best 3D version of striking that balance, mm. um, that there is so much exploring to do and we'll get into this later but that exploring is so intimately tied to precision platforming and momentum based platforming right i mean i do think i should say i think it's hard to love n64 controls if you weren't here for the transition from snes yeah and uh, even i'll admit yeah it, it again it kind of at, there was a point in my life when that was like the epitome of comfort was holding that <laughs> right. controller, and I, I like gaslit myself or something. <laughs> you just ha- you hadn't ex- yet experienced like a super smooth, like dual yeah. stick. Even that stick is so flimsy. It's true. Yeah, um, and I mean, it did. They did break a lot. They got loose really fast. Right, like, that is something that happened. But yeah, but there's still some things I I really like about the controller. Well, first of all, I think as as we saw in that video with Ken Lobb. Mario 64 is really the perfect introduction to that controller. Mm-hmm. Like you're really making the most of it. You're using, using those C buttons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll let you, I'll give you your uh, C, C button soapbox. I can't need to push the move camera button with the same thumb that I'm using to push the jump button or the hit button. I mean, that's it what doesn't you, work. That's what you do now. You have this, the, the camera stick and you use your, your right thumb and that's the same thumb you use to press jump buttons or active it's buttons different it's, it's not the it's same not, it's not exactly the same uh, okay yeah obviously today camera controls are much smoother <laughs> i'm just saying it's hard to do that i think backwards as opposed to if this was the first time i had ever had to learn how to move a camera i think mm-hmm. it would have felt different but it's um yeah like this felt revolutionary right. to me at the time and right. it was a nice little baby step sure 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 yeah and I mean, one thing I actually miss about the N64 controller is the Z trigger. Mm, that uh, one that's like really nestled under the controller. Yeah, that's kind of part of the the middle grip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something so satisfying. Like playing a first person shooter and actually having that as the trigger, it just feels so tactile in mm-hmm. a way that using the shoulder buttons doesn't. But in this game, using it to do your ground pound. Or crouch. Like, or crouch, yeah, yeah, like it, it just feels right. Like yeah. those, those moves, like that movement, and Mario's body makes so much sense attached to that Z trigger. Yeah, like you jump and that. you hit that trigger, and the, the yeah, the ground pound has never felt so satisfying as in <laughs> Mario sixty four. I love the crouch long jump. I love the crouch backwards jump. Like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we should acknowledge up top this might not be a controller issue, but one of the issues we did have is that we did hook up a Nintendo sixty four to an HD TV. Yes, so there was a little bit of latency. Yes, they did not know how to talk to each other right away. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a little bit of miscommunication that really made this. 10% more difficult than it should have been for Michelle to maneuver, especially with precision jumps, especially with wall jumps. Wall jumps were a challenge right through to the end. Yeah, I mean, 
So I would say it aggravated some of the control issues. I'm not sure it 100% accounts for mm-hmm. them, but um, yeah, it was it was a factor. So with that out of the way, let's actually talk a bit more about Mario making this transition to 3D. This is what we talked a lot about last time, some of your hopes and dreams for a 3D Mario, what that would look like, how you could translate the 2D movement into 3D, and how the game would kind of tutorialize the player into existing within 3D space. And this is something I think the game is really good at. Nintendo in general is really good at, I think, tutorialization, Mm -hmm. um, introducing players into new mechanics slowly, and then asking them to really master them. This game, I feel, in terms of getting you comfortable with the controller, with 3D space, it really has this kind of baby step approach tutorialization Mm -hmm. that begins from the first screen like literally the first screen the screen of mario's face right (laughs) right Um, which you didn't really even want to or know you could play around with at first no i didn't get it at first and i honestly you still seem a lot more excited about this you every time we loaded through it you were like tugging on his ear and doing yeah so if you haven't played this game the the first thing you see is this 3d model of mario's face that you can rotate and you can grab and you can pull it's really kind of elastic and you Mm -hmm. can get him you can put his face in funny like a clay model that'll stay there yeah yeah i spent so much time just playing around with his face but like again i thought that was really fun and Mm -hmm. maybe that as right as a kid it was seeing kind of a 3d model of mario for the first time and you can play it like there's a novelty to that but at the same time, it's such a smart way to get you just comfortable with the controller and the analog stick in a low stakes way, just kind of moving the cursor around, yeah. um, having to right hold some buttons and then and pull. Yeah, no, that that completely makes sense. And that it's funny because the once you get into the game, you sort of start out in this open courtyard with like no, you can see the castle, but in between you and the castle, there's like all around there's all these signs that are just telling you different ways to move Mario and it's like no pressure there's nothing telling you like better hurry along to the mm-hmm. castle where it's just like do whatever you want man yeah you get into the game and you get this little blurb where, or I guess you get the opening cutscene where Peach is inviting you to the castle because she has baked a cake for you yeah. and so that's that's why you're going to the castle so there's no high stakes yet mm-hmm. then you get there and you get a little blurb that says head to the castle. Um, but you're in this open courtyard and really that is your place to play around, experiment, get used to the movement in, again, another really low stakes way. You don't really know Bowser's involved. There's no real sense of urgency. And you're just kind of invited to play in this playground, explore and just kind of get yeah. used to your movements with the yeah with the signs telling you about the movements. I kind of linger on this, the opening a bit more. So if you take Super Mario Brothers as for a lot of people, maybe their first 2D platformer. Mm-hmm. And this is their first, as people's first 3D platformer. I think if you just look at the opening shots, like the second that the player has control of the character and just compare what the screen looks like at that moment, it tells you everything you need to know about those games and about when you compare them, about the difference between 2D Mario and 3D Mario. Right. And it really, I think, communicates what the difference between these games is. So you, so if you, if you're playing Super Mario Brothers, you you turn it on and your character is there, you're Mario, and you're on the ground, but you're much more towards the left side of the screen and mm-hmm. there's much more space on the right. Yeah. Right? So you're not in the center of the screen, which communicates to you that you this need to move the to the right. right. 
right? So you see that you're communicating, okay, my goal is to go from left to right. On the top, you have a timer, which communicates, right, that you should probably do this quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have, and then you have your score and your, and your coins, right? Yeah. Which says you should um, collect coins. Mario 64, though, you come out of that pipe and you just have right, the camera looking at you from, from behind mm-hmm. and you just see that expanse in front of you. And there's no timer. You see kind of multi directions at once, right? Yeah. It's just kind of expanse in front of you. The castle's not even centered really in, right. in that shot. It's kind of half concealed by uh, by the hills and yeah, right. So in the in the first one, there is okay. It's communicating. There's this urgency. You need to move left to right pretty quickly, and that's kind of what it's about, right? It's right. about movement through this space left to right. And in this game, it is really this open world. Um, choose where you want to go, explore, and it's really kind of communicating communicating that to you immediately that this is a different kind of game this is one that doesn't force you to move through it as fast as you can right take your time look around see what you can find and and we'll take it from there um the other thing that i think we could tie into this tutorialization and you've kind of already brought them up is is the locker too it's the one thing that i find so funny every time that there was this i don't know if they thought that they had to do this but that they had <laughs> to like make the camera exist as part of the narrative yeah like we can't like players can't comprehend how they're viewing they're the characters, seeing. so we'll have to narrativize <laughs> the cameraman and and explain it, which is which is so funny to me. But I love it. I feel it gives it character. I, I kind of wish other games had picked up on this, or that Mario right. always was tied to kind of this Lakitu cameraman who was following him around. I love that idea. I think they it's just so lean into the show element. Yeah, it's like yeah. <laughs> they're making a space one next. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's so weird that. I mean, 2D Marios also have a camera. So, right, sure, you know, sure. But maybe I guess it's like players aren't going to understand why they can move the camera. So, it, But if we tie it to a character, then it'll make sense. Like, I don't know. Or it's like they didn't know we wouldn't care if there wasn't that. Yeah. Right? Or maybe like, they're just like, maybe maybe the camera as a metaphor is a bit complicated. So if we make it literal through this character <laughs> holding like, a camera, they can understand Everything has to make sense movement. in this world. It all has to make it's sense. It's just so... <laughs> It's just such a so, like, cho- it's just gratuitous in a good way. Yeah. Like this was no one needed this, but here it is. Yeah, it's like one of those. There's sometimes when Nintendo can get a little bit like, "Hey, babies, we'll tell you how to do this, and we'll explain it to the lowest common denominator." But this is one where I think it's really playful. It's really fun. Yeah. Um, and just so strange and really like as a historical moment, mm-hmm, it's so mm-hmm. striking because I don't think this has ever happened again. Yeah, like it's a snapshot, uh, no pun intended, of like the uncertainties <laughs> about moving to 3D in this way. Yeah. So after you encounter Lakitu and he goes on and explains his purpose to you, <laughs> um, you enter Peach's Castle and this is where you encounter really the first major structural change with this game, which is this hub and spokes model right. that it takes on. Whereas in past Mario games, right? You'd be given a world map and you'd move between these discrete levels on the world map. But here, all of the levels are contained within this really like meta level, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is, which is the castle itself. So what did you think about that, about that structure? It's really cool. I I like this a lot. Um, I had a really good time running around this hub world and I don't know when I've ever played another game that had uh, like this structure of a of a hub and certainly one as as rich and with as much to do and to show you as this one does yeah it so after mario 64 there are a bunch of games and especially platformers again you can think banjo kazooie's mm-hmm. uh, banjo tooie and 64 platformers that did kind of adopt this hub model 
um, and Super Mario Sunshine adopted it. But really, it seems to have fallen by the wayside, and I'm not really sure why, because hmm. I also really love this castle hub and don't know if it's been surpassed. Yeah, that's really fair. I wonder if that's partially in the push for like expansiveness in games, because um, it's a pretty ingenious structure to have it be paintings that you jump into. Like mm-hmm. That gives them a lot of power to sort of zap you into a bunch of wildly differing locations. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's just hard to make constantly fresh and interesting or if the if games would just today end up feeling kind of small if you did that yeah the castle really does serve the same purpose of the world maps in that it it's this way to take this set of discrete levels and ground them as in a sense of place and make them seem to be a part of a coherent world Mm -hmm. but even as much as i love the world map structure and we've talked about this before in especially in something like a super mario world kind of moving between the different lands and yeah and kind of how interesting they are and how they're tied to a certain boss. The hub and this and this castle, Peach's Castle, really does um, set up what the game is about on a design level because it's you have to explore immediately. Mm-hmm. Right. And especially this being Peach's Castle. I don't know why I love this. I, I like I like thinking about a Princess Peach who has this funny castle where she like commissioned this stained glass portrait <laughs> of herself and she has this tricky moat. And like, just <laughs> a slide. Yeah, right. A secret, and a secret slide yeah, behind right. a, a secret wall. Secret aquarium. <laughs> ghosts in the backyard. <laughs> like, I, I love the idea of Peach having this whole other life where she has this mm. like fun kind of tinkery side. Almost it, it makes me think of her as like a Princess Bubblegum-esque sort of <laughs> figure, like from Adventure Time. Um, and I like that. That's so much more. This This house to me, I can read a personality into her through this house. Oh, that's so interesting because... Yeah, this game, I mean, this is the first game where you really get a, any sense of Peach's personality. Right. It's the first game where where she's referred to as Peach, at least in English. Oh, yeah. She's Toadstool before, right? Yeah, and she even says, right, Princess Toadstool. Right. Peach. As like, this oh, is, yeah. that's the nickname you call me with that voiceover. It's the first time you hear her speak. Yeah, they did not put a lot of work into that well, voice acting. <laughs> Oh, the voice actor is um, Leslie Swan, who I think even at that time was the editor in chief of Nintendo Power. Oh, weird. Yeah. So it was it was that moment where they didn't really. They're like, we don't know if this is anything. They were hiring <laughs> professional voice actors for all the roles, especially right. if they're short things like that. Right. Obviously, they put more effort into hiring a Mario. A Mario, <laughs> yes. Of Charles Martinet's um, iconic. And authentic Italian accent. <laughs> is he the, has he done like all the Mario's? Like, are other people also Mario or just him? Not since then. Okay. I mean, before then you had, I mean, the Mario Bros. movie, and then you had the Super Mario Super Show that was animated, where they had more of a Brooklyn accent, <laughs> and, okay, and more of a like a tough guy accent. I remember that from the live action Mario. That's, also, yeah, that they movie, were like yeah. portly. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with that. And then this is where you get him with this kind of joyous, almost effeminate. Aha, like that sort of uh, vibe. Yeah, yeah, childlike, where he becomes more of a complete cartoon character. Right, 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 right. right. Which, which is probably for the best, um, because it is still strange that you have like this portly, mustachioed, like middle-aged man. Oh, this world makes no sense. <laughs> right? Like, like Mar- this, this hub world makes sense and is very fun, but Mario... 
who like goes on another whole, game to wear just, a cat suit, yeah, and a bumblebee suit. The hats give him power. Like it's it's fine. Don't look at it too closely. But like, yeah, you need this kind of playful voice to not make it super creepy. Yeah, um, in terms of where it goes. Agreed. Although playful could have come out creepy, <laughs> and it doesn't, which is something. <laughs> so to get back to this hub right um but yeah i think you're right that it really does and and it's really fun to read it as kind of peach's castle that she's because mm-hmm. i don't want to think that i don't want to think that bowser put that stuff in no like bowser put the haunted peach might have even already had those paintings mm-hmm. and he just mm-hmm. made the haunted part he just trapped people in them yes right i like that peach likes art she's got a bunch of different stuff couple with snowmen but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like this peach. I like this peach. I've been I've been putting a lot of thought into why I love this hub so much and why mm-hmm. I still take so much pleasure and enjoyment from exploring it. And I think it's because of how it transforms over the course of the game. Hmm. And it's always surprising and there's always new things. Mm-hmm. You go down to the basement, the kind of flooded <laughs> This flooded basement, <laughs> weird, yeah. And then all of a sudden there's a rabbit there and you don't really yes. know why he's there. Yeah. You and you chase him, I guess. Yeah. And then he comes back. And then after a certain while, you go out of the basement, you go back up and down this hallway that you've seen a number of times. Now yeah. there's a boo. Yes. Um, or there's the moment or the way you get the wing cap. Oh, yeah. You just come out of one of the levels and there's like a beam of light um, in the middle of the sort of front foyer of the castle. And it's like it's subtle enough that for a minute you're. At least I was like, was that always there? Like, is this, I think this is new. And it doesn't really tell you what to do with it. Like you go stand in it, nothing happens. And you have to look up into the light basically. Um, And then it teleports you to the wing cap world where you get that. Yeah, right. Like it's the game is just trusting you to be curious. Yes. And it's rewarding that curiosity. And it's not, yeah, there's nothing else prodding you. Mm -hmm. Um. There might actually be a Toad who gives you a little clue that maybe you should look up. I can't remember. Okay. But regardless, Toad does give you some clues on how to access some of the castle secrets. And just hands you stars sometimes. And just hands you stars. <laughs> He's really helpful. Thank you. Um, but really it does. And that, yeah, I think that's really what I love about it is that it rewards your curiosity. And it's always, it, it's always surprising you. You know what's one of my favorite moments what? in the hub world? When you're going to fight the first Bowser... Okay. You you open up the the door to where you can get to the first Bowser level when you've got um I think it's ten stars at the start something like that, and it lets you into this hallway and at the end of the hallway there's a portrait of Peach and so you start running towards that thinking like oh I'm gonna jump in this, and then as you're running the portrait turns into a portrait of Bowser and the floor drops out oh, yeah, from underneath yeah. you and you and you plummet down into the world that is the first Bowser level. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's such a surprise cuz you're full on sprinting towards this thing at the end of the hallway and it just like the game just literally pulls the rug out from under you. So do you it's, think that that trapdoor is a Bowser doing or do you think that do you think that's part of Peach's castle? Oh my god. <laughs> I <laughs> I love the idea that that's just Peach's castle. I do think because of the painting changing i have to think that that's a bowser that innovation. he made the trap door somehow i okay. i think so i yeah, think he did so. some construction yeah because he rigged he rigged up the painting trick <laughs> why i think i like this hub so much more than so a lot of games now rpgs for example you'll get you'll enter a town or you'll have a fortress and you can build it up over the course mm-hmm, of the game right mm-hmm. and so there is that we still have that element the the space that you kind of inhabit and that transforms over time right in so many of those, what what you have to do to make it transform is usually so clearly 
telegraphed, right. and communicated, right. and gated. Right. And what I love about this castle, I think, is that there are certainly parts that are super explicitly gated, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you need X number of stars, stars to, yeah. to be able to fight Bowser to get the key to go to the basement. Then right. you need to get, what, 22 stars yeah, yeah, yeah. to fight the next Bowser to get the key to go upstairs. But by having those super explicitly gated portions, I think it makes the parts that are just implicitly gated so much more exciting. I agree completely. Because you're not expecting them. And obviously they're gated, right? It's yeah, yeah. After 10 stars, you can you you can access the wing cap. Sure. But you don't know that going in. Yeah. Right? There's nothing that says, well, do 10 stars and then something will happen. This or- is, again, like the Metroid trick of like mm-hmm. making you feel like you're not being gated or directed and mm-hmm. you're discovering things so organically. Even though, like, of course, you can't access this room until a certain point or whatever. Yeah. And there's something about knowing that there are these gated parts that kind of gets your brain focused on that. So mm-hmm. when these parts that are slightly unexpected happen, it really is surprising. And you it creates a sense of this ever-evolving space that never gets boring. Yeah. 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 Divots in the wall to jump into. Um, invisible warp points. Oh, that whole one whole world is not telegraphed through a painting. It's just a wall that I think yeah. most people, pro- I found it and I, I bet most people do by running around chasing that bunny in the yeah. in the basement. And he just runs towards this dead end wall. And like, if you bounce off it, you can see it wobble the way paintings do. And so you jump through and that's the the um, the desert level. Yeah. The shifting sand land yeah, is, yeah, is yeah. back there. Yeah. Yeah. This is something I really wish the Mario series would come back to. Mm-hmm. Um, and if after Galaxy 1, I don't know what happened. They just seemed to think that maybe hub worlds were getting in the way of the levels Hmm. um, and they stopped doing them and they kind of went back to the world map model or just kind of moving between levels. Even Odyssey doesn't have a really strong hub, right? uh, which is, I think, the one thing that it's missing. Mm. And yeah, the hub just kind of brings everything together into this coherent whole and creates a sense of space and place and specificity of location that I really just miss, even though... It's it's the levels themselves are so wildly different. Right. It would make no sense connected. Yeah. On just right. If you kind of went from Bob's battlefield to you walk next Womp, door and it's yeah, yeah it's Womp's <laughs> fortress. And the next door to that is um, cool, cool mountain, I think. Yeah. Right. Like it just that would make no sense. And yeah. That is kind of how like the hubs in something like a Banjo Kazooie work where mm-hmm. there's the hub and then you go off into these levels that are not connected through a painting, but kind of seem to exist. Like you walk through a door and then are in the level. Hmm. And again, it's like, well, I don't understand who all those places would be, would <laughs> exist so closely there, together. And it's Arctic here. Yeah. It's like there's something about the abstract nature of the paintings really yeah. working inside, right? Those paintings inside the castle. And as wild as it is, it still does come together in a way that feels realistic. Yeah. Or at least, yeah. Yeah. I know right, what like you a, mean. Right, like a Grounded, real. Like based yeah. in something. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I really, really dearly miss that. So one thing we talked about last time, and I, I really want to get your uh, your thoughts on, is the structure of this kind of 3D Mario game versus the 2D Mario. Because I remember last time you were a little bit hesitant about the idea that you might have to 
be in a space and get multiple stars within one space, right? That yeah. you have to revisit the levels again and again, uh, which is a huge structural difference. And so what do you what do you make of that? Did you kind of end up warming up to it? Yeah, I definitely did. Um, there was still something special and fun for me about the some of the levels that had sort of an uh an an end point, like a top of the mountain or mm-hmm. like a mini boss or something to fight. There's still a part of my dumb brain that just wants to like go fast and get to the top of the hill and then fight a thing and feel good about that. Um but I think in some ways for me this highlights the difference between designing a platformer that is really fundamentally about exploration uh, versus one where like the stars in this aren't secrets, right? Like when you replay earlier Mario levels that have a lot of secrets, you're you're sort of constrained by mostly still existing in, in the main path that you take to beat that level. And the secrets are just weird, small deviations from that path. Whereas this like the stars in this are not secret. Like they're they're designed to be as much of an endpoint as um as you a know, flagpole. Right, 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 right. Um, and so it's almost deceptive. It's like having multiple levels inside every level. It's not like having even multiple routes through a mm. level. It's something different and something more than that. And so I think the I think the intelligence of this design saves it from that problem I thought I was gonna have. Again, like I love this game and it and it was really formative for me. And I, I think this is my favorite type of structure of a Mario game. Hmm. I love revisiting the same levels and being forced to kind of explore every little corner of a level and having challenges, multiple challenges within a single level to get the stars. I, I find that so exciting. And because the levels can really show off how rich and dense they are. Yeah. In the in 2D Mario's and in, in traditional 2D Mario's, often levels are really dense and rich, but because you're moving through them so quickly, you don't always notice that or mm-hmm. on your own you have to go back and and kind of poke around a little bit more. And sometimes like in Super Mario World, that would pay off and you'd find a secret that would bring you to another exit or get yeah. you to um, bring you to the Star Road. Um, but sometimes there was nothing. But in this game, like you know, every level is going to be just jam packed of stuff. Yeah, everywhere you can get to in this game, there's something to see. Mm-hmm. How did you decide when you? So you picked a level. How did you decide which levels to choose first of all? Because you do have much more choice than in others, um, than in other Mario games. You don't have to go through them in a linear way. You kind of get to decide how you right. move through them. So how did you? How did you decide which levels to go to and which stars to go after? <laughs> um. So at least in the start, it's pretty structured what you kind of have to do. And then obviously, I'm going to avoid a water level until I absolutely have to mess with it. So um, I don't know. I, I wanted to get a little taste of of every level. So I don't know. I just sort of picked the level where I felt like maybe there was room for me to make progress. But within any specific level or d- deciding what stars to go for, I still, anytime I opened up a new level, what I really wanted to do, like my instinct was to try to run through it to the furthest point that I could reach, like Mm. to picture like the end sort Mm. of conceptually. A, because often there was a star there. Right. Like they know that you want to do that. Yeah. 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 And B, slightly more importantly, that also often is a good way to sort of survey the landscape and figure out like on your way to getting that last star, you'd be like, oh, I see there's like a weird little cave around this side. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet I'm going to have to like bounce off that and get over in that direction. And so I'm also building a mental map mm-hmm. of where 
where I'm going to go back and poke around. But I sort of want to see the big picture of the whole thing first and then fill in the specifics. Yeah, like I think that's such a good strategy. And I think it's one that the design of the levels encourages, right? Mm -hmm, That it's mm -hmm. the first star of a level is one that forces you to get this superficial overview of the level. Yeah. Move through it in a superficial fashion, but get kind of to the quote unquote endpoint. So Mm -hmm. in like Babam Battlefield, right? The first the first level, the one that you have to do first. Um, the first star asks you to get to the top of the mountain. So you kind of just kind of rush through. So you're not really poking and prodding necessarily, but you are getting that superficial level view. And then each subsequent star is asking you to dig a bit deeper, dig mm-hmm, a bit deeper, mm-hmm. dig a bit deeper. So even how those stars are structured, I think, follows the... I think you played into the strategy that you they were hoping you would have or were inviting yeah. you to have. I mean, it, it, it was very harmonious. Yeah. And it's definitely logical, mm-hmm. especially if you're seeing these spaces and 3D space for the first time as many people were. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then after that, in every case, because I was sort of building up this mental map, um, I wanted to try to get, try to work through one level as much as I could, get as many stars as I could try to figure out how to get um, before moving on. Because I found it always took me a minute to get back into the headspace of, of a level, especially if there's tricky jumps or whatever, like I'll have the, I'll have the feeling in my hands. And then if I go bounce off to something else, then try to come back, I'm going to have to re sort of learn the touch of, of how to do that. So in every case, I would try to poke around as much as possible, get as many stars as I could figure out how to get. Um, and I tried really hard to not use the player's guide (laughs) that we had. Um, yeah, we, which was, your brother's player's guide, yeah. the official player's guide that your brother lent us. Yeah, it turns yeah. out he had it all these years. So that's pretty fun um, as a family heirloom. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I wanted to do as much as I could in every space without using that. And so trying a bunch of stuff. And often there would be at least one or two stars that I was like, I know where that is. I don't know how to get there. Or I think I do know how to get there, but I just can't do it right now. That I'd be like, okay, let's move on, try something else. A thing that I liked that really worked about this format for me is my it plays well with my tendency to get frustrated and be like, I need a break. Because in this game, at any point that you're like trying for one star and it's just getting staying hard and you're not making progress to say, I need a break. It's like you can just go pick another star. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. I would just back out of the level. It's like, nope, I need to calm down about this one. But like okay, well, let's go see what's going on over here. And often that would be enough of a refresher or a change that it actually, I didn't need to walk away from the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a big deal for me. <laughs> yeah, I walk away from games for a minute. It's Yeah, like by the time you open up the third or fourth level, even you have so many options mm-hmm. all the time that, it, yeah, if there's just one that you're stuck on or don't quite know where it is, you can easily just go somewhere else and still kind of get the satisfaction of getting a star somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and it is kind of cool that this game doesn't force you to complete it, or the the way you complete it is not by getting every star or visiting every level. You could get zero stars in some levels if right. you wanted to. You just need the 70 stars, um, which I really like. I think in terms of this game specifically, I find it hurts the pacing a bit. Sure. Because at least in my experience, and I think you had the same experience, is that there's a tendency to really do the stars in the first few levels. And so sometimes the the back levels get ignored because yeah. you'll have your 70 and don't really even need to touch them or explore them unless you want to get 
all 120. Yeah. There were there were one or two levels where I only got one or two stars in them at all, but that I thought looked so cool and probably with slightly different gating or design choices or for like frankly if I had a bunch more time um I probably would have really enjoyed poking around in those. Like there was enough that it was like appealing to me, but it was also very hard. <laughs> and so at that point, I'm like getting ready. I'm like sort of ready to fight Bowser and move along. And so I definitely felt that. And I feel like some of the later levels I didn't get to see as thoroughly as I kind of wish I had because you're just like, okay, let's do it. Let's go fight Bowser. Mm-hmm. Um which like credit to the game that that's so exciting and enticing. But yeah, I I completely agree with your pacing point. I'm wondering what you made of the red coin stars. This is, I guess there were two stars consistent in every level. There Mm -hmm. was get the eight red coins, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a, I guess an extrapolation of of an idea they played with in Yoshi's Island. Right. And then really eight red coins has become a staple of Mario. Like find eight red coins Mm -hmm. is, is in most of the other ones after 64, um, in a lot of them anyway. You, okay. see, you see this idea a lot. And then the other one, of course, is get 100, 100 coins, points. which getting 100 coins always gave you some reward in past ones, usually an extra life. In this one, it gets you a, a star. star. Um, the red coins ones I liked better than the 100 coins. 100 coins, I think I only did on the very first level because mm. um, I was at a point, I think, when I just needed one more star to be able to like open the next area. And I was like, I'll just go figure out the coins in the first one. Um, the red coins I found a little more fun. They were almost always one of the last stars mm. that I did in a space. Um, I almost never was like searching out red coins first. They use them very differently. In a lot of the levels, they're really scattered around. Mm-hmm. But there are a couple of examples, including... The one in Snowman Land, for example, where actually the red coins, most of them are super closely spaced together and they all, you sort of have to catch them all on one path that you ride on on this shell that you're going to kind of surf on. Oh, yeah. Like Leave the Lava Land also had them really close together on that little Bowser puzzle that was happening. Yeah. Those, I always, I always like those less because again, for me, the, the idea of the red coin challenge and the hundred coin challenge is tied back to encouraging exploration. So when mm. they're scattered about, um, it's kind of forcing you to explore the level. And same with the hundred coins getting, if you want a hundred coins, you kind of, there aren't many more than a hundred coins per right. level. Right. So you really have to, to dig and, and explore. See, for me, this game is all about the variety. And so I, I both understand where you're coming from with that, but also I like seeing the red coins like used on a little grid board in mm. the lava world to make a little puzzle where it's like the the different squares dip below the lava at different times. You have to know the pattern and figure out how to move so you don't get dunked in the lava. Like, good. Like, come up with some different I- ideas for how this is working. Like, that's really welcome to me. Um, or like you have to ride this shell in this precision movement mm-hmm. up this weird cliff. You know, those are that's like asking you to interact with the world in a in a sure, different yeah, way. Yeah. And and I have I have time for that. I, I don't know that I would like it as much if that was sort of the structure in every level. Mm-hmm. Like I, I agree with you on balance, but I have love in my heart mm-hmm. for a little different application of the red coins.
So those are a lot of the big structural ways that this game is pretty fundamentally different from the 2D Marios. But yet, I still think this feels like a classic Mario experience. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things for me is that the the moveset here somehow feels familiar, even when you're learning it for the first time. Like, it feels like such a natural extension of how Mario moves and jumps and runs in 2D, hmm. um, even though obviously it's so much more flexible here. Um, it's three-dimensional, but more than just that, it's it's wall jumping, it's um, uh, flying caps, it's, it's so many different things. Yeah, you've got, as Mario, so many more moves here. Uh, right? Your moveset is is incredibly expanded. For yeah, the first kind time, of you an can... unbelievable <laughs> amount of moves, honestly. So obviously you can run and jump. Uh, mm-hmm. You can now punch for the first time. Yeah. which and kick. Yeah, right. As I and as we talked about last time, that was there just in case people had trouble with the depth, so they could still kind of fight off the enemies. I used it. <laughs> you did. <laughs> you have kind of the ground pound, which was carried over from Yoshi's Island, but mm-hmm. now Mario himself can do it, which, I, like I mentioned, is I find incredibly satisfying mm-hmm. with the Z trigger. Long jumps, yep. which kind of I feel change everything. It's love so fun. a long jump. Yeah, when you get used to it, you can just long jump your way through the levels. Yeah, string them together. Yep. You got your triple jumps. You got your back flips. You got your side flips. You got your side flips. You got your crouch and then flip backwards. Yeah, your crawl. Your crawl, your tiptoe. Your tiptoe. <laughs> yeah, like the- ex- Your edge along an edge sideways, mm-hmm. like solid snake style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think you're right is that it, it, what makes this feel like a traditional Mario game is that even though you have all these different moves, they're moves that- help you move fluidly through the space. Yes. And that's really what it all comes back to, right? Mm -hmm. That, And there's some moves that you might never even use. I don't know if I side flipped once on purpose. Several times by accident. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's It's there at your disposal. And if you want to master that move, you can, but you don't, but you don't have to. Mm -hmm. And again, what makes it feel Mario like a traditional or classic Mario, even though it's so fundamentally different? is that this moveset so oriented to the spaces. So I guess one of the bigger differences between the actual levels of um, Mario 64 versus other ones is that whereas 2D Mario games by and large emphasize kind of horizontality, mm-hmm. moving from left to right, these levels really emphasize verticality. Right, and right, this, right, right. And this moveset is all about being able to kind of conquer that verticality mm-hmm. and to make you move and more mobile kind of on a vertical axis. Even just looking at the names of, of the levels, Right, there's so much kind of more vertical. So many of them are mountains. Yeah, right? a there's, bunch of the first ones. Yeah, yeah. There's like Babam's battlefield. It's a battlefield, but there's a big mountain. There's yep. Um, Wom's fortress, which has the big tower that you have to climb. There's yep. tall, tall mountain. Yeah, obviously. Cool, cool mountain. Yep. A <laughs> uh, tiny, huge island is also very vertical. Yeah. Right, so and and when you don't have a mountain, you have a depth. Mm-hmm. Like you're going underwater. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> Or in wet, dry world, kind of both. Right, right, where You right. kind of have the verticality and, and the depths. So really, right, working along that axis. Mm-hmm. Um, Lethal Lava Land might be the only kind of more or less flat yeah, level. Yeah, it's almost completely flat, except for a couple of little protrusions out of the lava. Yeah, but even then, it has those exteriors in the volcanoes that are vertical. Right, right, right. right, right. You get into those like levels within the level, which are right. super fun. And so even though the levels are oriented so differently, it's the moveset lending themselves to moving through those levels so fluidly that I think makes this a Mario game. Yeah, I think that's really fair. While we're talking about movement, I think one of the most surprising things about this game for me is that Mario felt slippery to me. Hmm. Um, 
especially in getting stopped like on a precipice or whatever or like he turns quite quickly but his Mm -hmm. acceleration and deceleration are i found slower and less sharp than in the 2d marios that i'm used to Mm. this was one of my biggest learning curves and hurdles to be honest with some of the precision platforming was getting control of like, okay, I'm going to land on this platform correctly, but then because of my momentum, I'm going to slide right off the other end. Yeah, there is. This game is so momentum based. Yeah. More so than the 2D ones. And in interviews, uh, Miyamoto's even said that kind of when they were figuring out what the physics of this game would be, they did locate kind of Mario's center of gravity in his hips, which <laughs> makes sense. We're all same. <laughs> <laughs> which I think you can really feel. That this game really is about momentum and you need to build up so much momentum to pull off so many of the moves. Mm -hmm. And then coming to a standstill becomes so much more difficult. Right. Another part of the issue, I think, might be the tendency to think of Mario's speed or pace as binary as in the old games. Mm -hmm. Or at least where he'd have maybe three speeds, you'd have kind of the walk. We pretty much you pretty much like still or run yeah with maybe um right a faster run if you hold down B yeah yeah right? yeah, yeah three settings I would say yeah yeah but still by and large kind of binary either right. moving going or, or not <laughs> yeah whereas this game is built around the analog stick and around the different speeds that mm-hmm. Mario can go where he can um right move at different speeds he can go from stillness to a tiptoe to yeah. a walk to a run to a dash. And it's really about mastering those different speeds when you need to use them. And I think that's one of the more challenging parts of kind of mastering Mario in this game. Yeah, that makes sense. I buy that. And and I got to call you out on something. Okay. Because last time we were looking at the Ken Lobb video and you're like, (laughs) why is he making such a big deal about Mario tiptoeing? That's not that impressive. Blah, blah, blah. You love that shit. You tiptoed so much. Yeah. Sneaking up on piranha plants. You have to. (laughs) And they're sleeping. Yeah. And then they get punched (laughs) in the face. (laughs) Yeah. You love that. And I feel like we don't, even in modern games, we don't use kind of the multiple speeds to the same extent. Like, yeah. We do in stealth, right? Right. Not so much in like. Platform or like actiony, kind of yeah, 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 yeah. Like if you creep up slowly, they won't hear you or whatever. That sort of thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, you're totally right in these kinds of platformers, and even in subsequent Mario games. Like I don't know if I tiptoed in Odyssey at all. Although, also part of that tiptoeing was because sometimes you have to walk across a very narrow, long beam, and the camera is not gonna settle at an angle that is helpful. Yeah, that's <laughs> and so you, it's very hard to judge. That's when you gotta crawl like a baby. <laughs> that's pretty much yeah. Swallow your pride, get down on all fours. Yeah, I do. I do actually really appreciate the precision crawling. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great addition. Um, and one thing I really do love about this game is that Mario has all of his moves from the beginning. Yeah. Um, it's games like this that really make me wish that they're... And I mean, Mario still give you usually all of his moves from the beginning. And of course, I'm not counting the the caps here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just games that don't have upgrade trees. I mm-hmm. think this is going to become a recurring theme for me. Just, <laughs> just I'm kind of over the upgrades. I just want to start with the tool set. Right. And I just want to... Ex- on how I use that tool set throughout the game. Right. I find that so much more interesting than being kind of gated out of a move until later on. Um, I do need to tell you something that I have not said out loud to you before that oh. I think is going to shock and devastate you. <laughs> oh, no. 
moving in this game is not always a pleasure. Oh, no. And in some ways, I find that fatal for a Mario game. So we got to talk about swimming. (laughs) No, you hate swimming always. But I extra hated it in this one. (laughs) I'm sorry. I, I never warmed up to it. I tried so hard to get it. It never stopped being... What's one of my least favorite things we've established on this podcast? Yeah, we know water levels. Fiddly bullshit. Oh, and also fiddly bullshit. Okay. Yeah. Usually those things do come hand in and hand. And here they did. Um, I The frustration level with trying to do fine maneuvering through the water was not intentionally pleasurably hard as the game wanted it to be. Um, I think this is an era, this is specifically an area where I'm sure this made sense and felt right if you were coming from 2D, but like, boy, oh boy, in the year of our Lord, 2020, um, she's rough. She's a little rough. So what is it that was the problem with the swimming versus swimming in other games or games that you think do, or is there a game you think does swimming well? A 3D Uh, game. You knew can't swim? Geralt. He sucks. <laughs> you also can't... He swam on... Yeah. He can't even fall off three foot... But that was so much less clumsy than this. Truly. Like, maneuvering around, getting the... Cam- so the camera is also sort of the the um, other factor that doesn't help with the swimming. Underwater, there's a lot of weird angles and stuff and protruding factors that mm-hmm. it's often hard to work the camera underwater. It's hard to keep up momentum. Uh, it's hard to be pointed in the right direction. Uh, it's hard to maneuver around things. Uh, and it's just not... Moving is not pleasurable in those spaces, of which there are a fair number in this game. There's quite a lot of swimming. There's a fair bit of swimming. Um, and and I did a lot of the swimming stars. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't... I'm not saying this because I, I only did one star and I didn't give it long enough to really gel for me. Getting out of water is frustrating. Getting your hop angled right to like jump out of the water and onto a platform or an island or whatever is uh, very finicky. Um, definitely falls into the fiddly shit category. This is this part's rough for me. I got uh, honestly, um, this is not something that I ever warmed up to or felt the joy about. That's understandable. Swimming swimming in three D is always kind of difficult. <laughs> Um, so we've talked a bit about how this game does kind of capture that traditional Mario feeling, at least in terms of movement movement in relation to the worlds. And as we spoke about before, the combination of exploration and precision platforming. Mm-hmm. But even on a more basic level, did this game feel like a Mario game? Because it has some traditional iconography that you might expect, and then right. um, it omits a lot. Yeah. And also adds a lot of new characters. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty fun that the first enemy you meet in this game is you like hop on a Goomba's head. Mm-hmm. And like it just feels good to hop on a Goomba's head, period. Like it always will. That yeah. will always be a joyful thing to do. It is. And yeah, as seeing the Goomba and hopping on his head, it's very much okay. You're home. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. We got uh, we got Koopa Troopas. We got we got so much of the of the classic. Um but yeah, like you said, we're we're missing some uh, long familiar icons as well. Yeah, no fire flower. Right. I mean, I think even more uh, 
pressingly than that. No big small Mario. No, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's huge. Yeah, I guess this brings us to um the new health system. Right, right, right. Yeah, this is the first time we see the adoption of the uh, the health pie, mm-hmm. where instead of just being able to take one hit, unless you're Super Mario, and then you kind of get that extra hit, here you do have um, eight opportunities yeah. to get hit. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. And then um, coins in this, rather than uh, just being, I don't know, like points towards a, a one-up or whatever, replenish like a piece of your health pie. Mm-hmm. And that leads to some interesting strategies, especially in places <laughs> like underwater, for example, you do have limited health. And so at a certain point, your your health pies start ticking down if you've been underwater for too long. And so getting coins underwater restores them and sort of works alternately like breath. Like there's some interesting mm-hmm. like puzzle implications yeah. of that as you get into some of these different environments. Or in like the lava world, you might want to take a hit to get the lava boost right. right when you like when it burns your butt yeah. and you go flying and you can kind of reach new spaces yeah. or clear longer gaps. Yeah. And, and that's then... that's mostly for more skilled players than me, <laughs> but I do understand that, that would I mean, be useful. You definitely use those strats unintentionally I... frequently. Yep. <laughs> Again, I think it's this it's a health system that's appropriate for the new design choices and level structures and levels that privilege exploration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because it would be really frustrating on these levels that do take, they're not really bite-sized. They kind of, t- it mm-hmm. does take a while to get from one end of the map to the other, where if you pretty much got hit twice, you're dead. That would be incredibly frustrating. Yeah, for sure. And here it is less about getting through the level perfectly, and it's more about prodding at the level and ex- mm-hmm. and, um, and experimenting within it. So they give you this health that really does encourage you to to explore, maybe take a few hits. Yeah, it's a more lenient health system for sure. Though the one big exception to this uh, exploration-based levels are really the Bowser levels. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Which seem to be more throwbacks. They're much more linear. It's more about um, kind of platforming from a very discrete start point to a very discrete yep, end point. Getting to the end. And then fighting the boss, right? Yeah. It's kind of these little nuggets of the past yeah. in 3D. You know what? I honestly liked it a lot. I, yeah. I found these kind of refreshing. Again, sort of in the same for the same reason I like them mixing up what we do with the reg coins. I think the variety of mm-hmm. of this in this game and in this context felt good. And I think these levels were where I had the most fun with straightforward momentum-based platforming. Mm-hmm. So you get little snippets in other parts of the game where like, okay, to get through this one section, I really have to keep it up and like, bam, 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 hit these three platforms mm-hmm. and go. But on the Bowser levels, it's a, it's a straight shot through to the finish line. And so I I think that felt familiar to me on like a deeper level, even <laughs> just than like, ah, a familiar structure. Yeah. These are your, these are your traditional obstacle course. Levels. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I wonder if you saw some of that confidence coming through in my oh, playing. Definitely the last Bowser yeah, level. Yeah. Tell him. <laughs> <laughs> you, okay. So you got to the you got to the final Bowser level on one night and you just kind of you just played around with it a bit, but yeah. then it was getting late and you yeah, just yeah. put it aside. And then the next day you came back and you just blasted through in one shot. Hell yeah. It was I mean, there were definitely tense moments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or there are moments when you'd fall off and you'd kind of have to redo a section. It like wasn't you wouldn't clean. die, but yeah. Yeah. Just because of how we that level's structured, you can fall to an earlier part, which is really annoying. <laughs> But yeah, you were doing some, you were stringing together your moves, the yep. moves that you don't always use. Yep. Um, and you were just going over the, you're getting through the platforms. I mean, if you recall, when we were, when we were talking about um, 
boss fights with Shadow of the Colossus. Mm-hmm. And how he said in platformers, instead of having like a big bad, it really makes more sense to have like a boss level. Yeah. This really was like a boss level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. And, and we They're really challenging. have to put together all of your platforming skills. And yeah. yeah, by the end, by that one, you you crushed it. Thank you for telling everyone about that. <laughs> it, was, it was really impressive. Yeah, in in one shot. And then I, it took me 20 tries to kill Bowser, but whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I, those levels are also great because they really do give you the sense of urgency. Yeah. That the other levels don't have. Yes. If You know what? It feels like you're, there's no time pressure, but it feels like you're racing through it to mm-hmm. get to Bowser. Which, which makes sense. Like if you're at the Bowser level, you shouldn't be able to kind of like dilly dally and go yeah, explore. Yeah, yeah, it should yeah. be... The you do want to have that kind of momentum to get to Bowser and to defeat him. Yeah. Uh, but given our previous discussion of boss fights, we should probably talk about this fight itself as a as a boss fight. Yeah. 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 So we have you fight Bowser what three three or times? Four, three times. Yep. Yeah. Um. And each time you're doing this thing where you're on a, a different kind of platform and you're running around behind him, grabbing him by the tail, swinging him around in a circle by like rotating the uh, the analog stick. Yeah. Right. Something that not really a surprise for us because it was all over the marketing. They showed it the on literally everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so that's that's the basic thing that you're doing all three times that, that you fight him. It gets a little more hairy in, in the final confrontation, but it's funny because this actually violates one of the rules that we set up for good bosses in yeah. our shadow conversation, which is that we don't like generally like boss fights where you have to use a mechanic or something only in that one fight that you never use yeah, elsewhere. The spinning the analog stick, this is the only time you yeah. do that. You've gotten some training... That for some bigger enemies, you need to run behind them and yeah. grab them, right? Yeah. That That's consistent. Yeah. But yeah, the spinning, it, it's cool, mm-hmm. uh, but it really is only the boss fights. And maybe it kind of gets away with it because they do iterate on this in the boss fights. And so you're doing this consistently. Yeah. But then it kind of means that the boss fights are pretty samey, or at least the Bowser yeah. fights. Yeah, um, which honestly is a little surprising for this game um, where it's trying to show you something new like every second um it was a little strange to have that be the thing that i'm doing over and over and over again successively Mm. so they do change it up a little bit as you sort of revisit this this fight i don't know this was a surprising thing for me yeah they should have just brought back the koopa kids (laughs) i mean is that a serious oh yeah do you mean that sincerely yeah that's how they got away in Three and World, you just fought Bowser once at the end. And yeah. All the kind of smaller bosses were the Koopa Kids. Our minions that you're just, yeah. And not Baby Bowser. They do this in later 3D Marios. They bring Baby Bowser in as kind of the boss. You're not fighting Bowser all the time. So I don't you, like Baby Bowser. You have to fight Baby Bowser and Bowser in the same game? Yeah. Or Bowser Jr. Sorry. Not okay. Baby okay. Bo- okay. <laughs> it's like <laughs> kind of. Not the, not the baby time Bowser. Time travel shit is from, happening here. Yeah. Yoshi that turns into this Bowser, but yeah. Bowser Jr. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that the Bowser fights are a highlight for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think of, of you talking about seeing art from this and stuff as a kid and thinking Bowser just looks so big and mm-hmm. so imposing and how. There would be a very, I think, different impact of that if I was coming at it, you know, in its time, as mm-hmm. opposed to going back after. Like, I know how big Bowser is. Like, that's <laughs> not, you know, that that's like less of an effect mm-hmm. now. 
but yeah, I'm, you know, th- yeah. these, these are these are a B plus Bowser fight for me. They are challenging, but kind of in an in an annoying way. Yeah, especially the last one when yeah the platforms fall so it, to form a shape of the star, mm-hmm. which is cool. But then you really have to launch him, and yeah, the timing was difficult. I mean, the timing was difficult when you don't have the input yeah. lag. So <laughs> there were so many times I chucked him in the right direction to hit one of these bombs but just not quite hard enough and yeah. so he just doesn't quite make it there and it's so aggravating yeah i agree not my not my favorite bowser yeah fights. but yeah as we were saying earlier the thing i do actually really like about these bowser encounters are the linear levels and the urgency that's created to go and mm-hmm. face bowser yeah which also makes bowser so different from all the other like boss type characters in the game um which i kind of love like not every level has a boss, mm-hmm. which is kind of refreshing. Mm-hmm. And then the ones that do, they're kind of just like hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> like they're not really that intimidating. No. And they're kind of just like living their life in the level. They just want to tell you their gripes mostly. <laughs> yeah. It's like <laughs> you go up the mountain and there's just like the King Babam. He's just like hanging out there. Yeah. And then you like chuck him off or like throw like you're kind of an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. That I poor mean- guy. The uh, the Womp has a has a good point. He's at he's on top of this tower and he's like, "How many of my compatriots were sacrificed <laughs> yeah. to build this tower?" And you're like, "Yeah, I, I guess you're a stone brick." Like, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still going to kill you right now. By but jumping on his poor bandy. Yeah. Oh, he has <laughs> a cracked clearly... spot on his yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. Listen, Mario's kind of a bully. Yeah. Speaking of bullies, oh, no. we have another very important playing anecdote to share. So this, <laughs> I guess, maybe your favorite series of boss type characters, the bully characters. Do you want to describe what they are? <laughs> there are two forms. There's a there's kind of the bully in the Little Lava Land, and then there's the chill bully who reappears in the Snowman's Land. Yeah. I mean, th- my main focus here is the chilly bully or chill bully or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, they're, they look sort of like a bob in shape. They're like big round boys. Yeah. But they come sort of charging at you and sort of bounce you off the edge of whatever you're on. So, yeah, they're, they're kind of a bumper car boss. Like you yeah, can't, you yeah, can't yeah. inflict damage on them by stomping on them. What you can do, they're on this raised platform mm-hmm. that's surrounded by either lava or that... Like damaging ice. The really like cold overly, water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the only way to kill them is to kind of bounce them off yeah. of their platform. So you have to be more aggressive and they're trying to bounce you off. Mm-hmm. So you have to not get hit and punch them more or do like an action attack to, mm-hmm. to move them. So I struggled with the lava one and then had the wildest series of events with the Chili Bully boss. This is peak Michelle cheesing <laughs> for this boss. No shame in cheesing is something that we believe here. She was struggling with this guy so much and then just decided that she was going to kind of lure him off of his platform. Yeah, because there's a little ramp up that's like at the side of the platform. It's how you get up there. Yeah. Like, what if I can just pull him? And what so, if? So you did that. Um, and then you kind of ran into him yeah. doing, or he ran into you and doing so pushed you into the ice. Yeah. And so you flew up and so got injured, leaving you with one piece of health. Yeah. But somehow it also killed him. Like he fell off. Yeah. He bounced right off somehow, the edge of this thing. Kind of off the screen. We didn't see it. You, listen, but, whatever. <laughs> but you got, the star came out. You were so happy. And this is where you yelled, I am history's greatest gamer. And the second Michelle said that, this fly guy from off screen just like dive bombed her. And she died. I had no idea. And you were so just deflated. (laughs) And then. You know, I was so extra happy about that. I could feel how mad you were from beside me (laughs) that I had managed to beat the because you were like, what are you doing? What are you? What stupid thing? And then it worked. And Mm -hmm. I was so happy. And I could feel you being so mad. 
And then you go to try it again. You try the same strat. Yes. And so you go up his little ledge and you kind of lure him. And I don't even know what happened this time. <laughs> it's very unclear. This happened completely off screen. You just heard him fall because when he falls, he goes like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and you hear that as like, what, he died. Oh my God, like, he I just, did it. Like, jumped off or something. And so it worked again. Yeah. And th- and then the star appeared. And, and, it, and it appears a ways away from where you are. It, well, it, it appears, appears on this platform. Yeah. So it appears on the platform. You're going to get it. And you have to go kind of up this little ledge to get it. Mm-hmm. And you slipped off the ledge, fell in the water, and then you died, died again. <laughs> like, okay, round three. And then you did it. Yeah. But it was uh, it was a roller coaster of emotions <laughs> yes. fighting this chill bully. Yeah. Um, yep. And again, I guess we don't like him because he's called a bully. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, he's just like hanging out there. Well, he he's going to try to bump you off. The platform. I guess it's his platform. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's Mario logic. Like there's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're really, I mean, there are some strats. You did refer to the player's guide. Yeah. We need to talk about the player's guide. Uh, okay. Are we ta- you've, you've told me you have something to say about the player's guide. So this is your first ever player's guide you've used. Yes. And again, it's the official, it's the official player's guide. Yep. That I guess my brother paid real Canadian currency for at some point, <laughs> or my parents did. I never want to use one of these again. I don't <laughs> like it. I mean, it's a beautiful, like, collectible object. Like, it's got, you know, okay. it's of interest from a fan perspective. Um, I hated it. It gave me exactly <laughs> the amount of information I did not want. Wait, what are you talking about? Okay. What, I don't know what your expectations were. I don't un- understand how you could be mad at a player's guide because i want i okay so it when you open this up apart from some like front material when you get into the details about the stars so it'll show you um a map of the level indicating where the star is and then there's a section on the next pages that's in-depth describing exactly where that is and everything you need to know about how to get it including where that like should require you to like figure some stuff out it's just like i i wouldn't have thought it was possible to feel like a platformer was being spoiled for me but like it it just it sucked all the joy out of i don't know were you expecting to give me some like coy little hints i want a hint i want a hint or even just like Put it on the map where it is, but don't give me the walkthrough of how to get it. Like, leave something to figure out. Okay, you got to understand, people paid real money for this. You know how pissed off somebody would buy if they bought a player's guide? They paid like 20 bucks for a player's guide, and then it just was like giving them like little clues and little hints and like riddle me this is where this star is here's a clue you know how yeah they had to use their brain ridiculous i i just i find this i find this unfun i find this sucks the positive energy out of this game and just bleeds it absolutely dry um what i what i eventually tried to use the player's guide for is um like, if I didn't even know where a star was, if I had, like, only two or three stars in a level, and I was like, I don't even know where to start with this, I would, like, look at the title of a star and, like, maybe kind of where it is on the map, but I would try not to read the part that is, like, exactly how to do it and then go try to figure it out myself. Okay, so, I mean, this is the same, this is, like, the game already gives you that, right, what you want, because the titles of the stars are kind of clues for for how to get them. Right, but you only get them one at a time, right? So if I'm having trouble oh figuring out the next one, 
um, I can look ahead and see what the other couple are. And maybe there's one that I actually can get. I I just, I I feel like this is such a different relationship with what information do you want to have, have you, about this game? You've used like, the, is this what player's guides are? Is yes, this what they all were like? Yes. It's just a complete game fact walkthrough. Yes, that's like I mean, in, they're out in of, incredible detail. They kind of don't exist anymore because Game Facts has exist, just done and, it. Like the internet has kind of put them out of business, even though they're kind of beautiful objects, and I wish they still existed. Like I love having this, but yeah, it's that's in kind of pre-internet, pre-Game Facts. That's where you'd go. I I don't understand <laughs> what I'm like. I I guess I am speechless. It significantly, I would say, this hampered compl- my enjoyment of every star and every part of the game that i really used it on well that's not on the player's guide no i I just i find it so weirdly thorough like weirdly like handholdy and and like i like i know you buy it because you want the support and the information but like for me this takes it to such a wild degree i don't know i just somebody's taking something to a wild degree (laughs) (laughs) i don't think it's the player's guide I don't. I was so surprised. I guess I was expecting something a little bit more like a manual plus, like an like an enhanced manual. You well, know, the manual exists. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> I, look at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So your brother also did give us the player's guide for Ocarina of Time. So you're just not going to look at it? Not unless I really need to. No. Okay. Unless you tell me that there's like sections where you know like you won't know that you have this move that you're gonna need unless you find it in the player's guide no like, that's the manual that's the manual <laughs> oh okay. one day we're gonna have to have an episode just defining manual versus player no, i guide. understand the difference essential moves manual strategies Ugh. players guide. no i'm gonna try not to use the ocarina player's guide i don't want the soul of that game <laughs> sucked out of it for me the way it was for a bunch of the stars oh in this goodness. one I want to discover. This is Bananas. So let's dive into some of the specific levels or worlds, I guess, is a, is sure. a better term sure. uh, that you encounter here. We're not going to have time to go into every one, yep. uh, but we can pick out some specific highlights and lowlights and really use these levels to help us maybe think through what works for this type of 3D exploration platformer design. Sounds good. I mean, maybe the first thing to note is that it's very different from the, the 2D design structure um, because it diverges from... This thing we've talked about before in uh, 2D Mario design, where you kind of introduce a central mechanical idea mm-hmm. and then iterate it or iterate on it over the course of the level. Mm-hmm. Here, because these worlds are kind of so vast, they're not necessarily tied to a simple mechanical idea, but more to a central thematic idea. Right. That sometimes has mechanical implications. Like right. You'll have the lava that has that forces you to kind of go around it and not, uh, or you could use it to your advantage if you <laughs> sure. learn to master it. 
quicksand and slippery the, ice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, and those things kind of permeate the entire world. And by um, world, we're meaning what you get when you jump through one of the paintings yeah. away from the hub. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But in this one, then it, it's more like each star is tied to a central mechanical yeah. idea. And you might get iterations of that idea, but kind of across the levels. Mm -hmm. Right. So you'll have a race against Koopa the Quick in Babam Battlefield. Right. And then you'll do the harder version of that way later in the um, big, small world, tiny, huge island. Yep. Much harder. Or you have iterations of certain boss fights, like the bully fights, mm -hmm. where the chill bully will be slightly harder because now you're on a slippery platform. Yeah. Or you'll have um, a series of increasingly difficult flight-based stars over three or four levels. <laughs> Which I quickly abandoned trying to <laughs> <laughs> Or cannon-based stars. Um, or just like mountain obstacle courses. Or um, I guess this game's version of the 2D auto-scroller. Where instead of the right. screen scrolling, but you're still on like moving platforms. A platform that's on a track, yeah. Yeah, where you get some of those in, in the lava land, for example, in the volcano. Mm -hmm. And then the uh, the last level, the rainbow, rainbow, the rainbow ride level road. is... Uh, <laughs> Is pretty much all that, which is uh, maybe that's my least favorite level. It's a little painful at times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obviously, there are exceptions. You fight Big Boo, I think, three times mm -hmm. in, in his haunted house. They just kind of reuse that fight over and over again. Yeah. But more Bowser motif almost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but more often than not, each each star is making you do something pretty significantly different than all the other stars in that world. Mm -hmm. But the worlds themselves do form these coherent holes. So maybe, yeah, what are some of your favorite worlds, some of your favorite paintings and, and why? Yeah, I think I've been sorting this in my own head based on what what patterns or qualities did I really like in some of these levels. So one of the first ones that I want to shout out is Jolly Roger Bay, which is a very Whoa. early... I know, you will all be surprised <laughs> to hear. Um, but I think, I think for me, my clumsiness with swimming and you know, I'll share blame with the game a little bit on that. Doesn't blind me to the fact that this is a really special design and something that I had never seen up to this point in a Mario level. And I don't know that I can think of a good example of it since, which is that you make a permanent change on this level based on what you do to get one of the first stars. So when you start in this level, there's very little you can see above the water. There's sort of some minimal mm -hmm. like island stuff sticking out. Most of it exists underwater. And th the first thing, at least that I did, I assume the first thing that most people do when they get into this level is swim down to this sunken ship. There's like this eel. We'll talk about the eel, but there's a, this eel blocking and you can get into it. And then you do this little star pattern thing, opening these chests and it actually makes the sunken ship rise back up to the mm -hmm. surface. So you get a star in there. And then after you've done that, every time you revisit this world, the ship is buoyant. Like it, it's up now. It's risen. The eel has relocated to a completely different place. A bunch of different stuff is visible on the ocean floor. Like it's a lasting change that goes from the changes from the time that you accomplish that to the future. Um, that's maybe a little thing, but mm -hmm. I find that so cool and so impressive and it was so unexpected like jumping back into that because you don't like when you're inside the ship getting that star the water drains out of the ship but like in my head i don't know if that's just somehow like getting the water like i, yeah, you I don't realize what's happening yeah, exactly and for that exactly. to actually show some kind of impact on subsequent playthroughs of the level is so is cool. cool yeah it's so cool that level itself i mean I love that you start on land, that they don't do the thing that they would do in a lot of the 2D 
a lot of the 2D water levels where you just start in the water, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where you start on land and you just see this level that just looks barren. Yeah, you're empty. like, what am I doing yeah, here? Yeah, and then you realize that there's kind of a whole world underneath. Yeah. Also, probably apart from the Donkey Kong games, Donkey Kong Country games, best water theme yeah, of any game. This is a top-notch water theme. Oh, so while we're, while we're here, one thing you mentioned in the last game is that you didn't know any of the music from this game. Mm-hmm. Maybe here's a good time to just quickly, what did you think of the music? Um, did you actually know any of these tracks? Not really. No. Yeah, this has a really special water theme. Um, I think the the theme in the ice, the themes in the ice worlds are also really mm-hmm. great. The The theme of the Bowser levels is really interesting. It's like not... Exactly, I think what I would have expected going in, like that weird sitar. Yeah, it's sort of like a, a smothered, suspenseful kind of mm-hmm. um, mellow, like brooding. I don't know. It's like not. Uh, it's not a, a big, uh, intense, bombastic, like announcing the boss kind of mm-hmm. feeling. It's interesting. It's really different. And then there's, of course, the I think now kind of iconic slide or race oh, music yeah the kind of banjo yeah that's more in that kind of classic uh, mario vibe of almost that kind of would suit first levels of previous mario games yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and there's a little bit of a benny hill vibe especially <laughs> when you're like out of control on the slide it's very like yeah would have uh would have fit well in your playthrough of metal gear solid and my playthrough of the slide levels of mario 64 oh, man. <laughs> Slide levels are fun. Um, okay, anyway, back to uh, back to Jolly Roger Bay. So uh, I know you have problems with this eel. So I don't have problems with the eel. The problem is <laughs> this eel is so terrifying. He's really scared. I was He's so scared, scared of this eel, both like getting him to come out of the ship. And then after, once you've raised the ship, he's like in this little um, cavern in the wall, but like with his face sticking out. And... <laughs> I'm actually fine with him as long as he's staying in there. But if you swim near it, he will come out and just swim around the level. And he's like, there's something about a creature that is proportionally that big to you Mm. in the water where because of how the camera works also, it's not that easy to keep track of where he is. And so there were multiple times when he would have, you know, come out of his little cubby and I'd be working on something, trying to get somewhere, mm-hmm. whatever, figure out how to swim down to that star you can't get yet. All of a sudden, eel. Yeah. Eeled out of nowhere from behind. Yeah, you were way more intimidated by uh, Unagi than by Bowser. Oh, my God. Yes. The actual villain of this game is Unagi. He's so scary. There's something about how busted his face is that's oh, terrifying. Like, he's got it's like those nightmare fuel. jagged teeth like a five-year-old drew them. And he's got he's got eyes that are like, like the button eyes from Coraline, like just like dead and, and like plastered on like a weird stuffed toy oh my god what a nightmare he's so scary so you also mentioned this star in the jolly roger bay that you couldn't get at first and Mm -hmm. that this uh this was something that was kind of striking to you yeah for a mario game yeah so this is one where there's a star that you can see out in the plain open at the bottom of the sea but it's it's surrounded by this uh vent of water that's like blasting upwards so you can't like when you start you can't you're not strong enough of a swimmer to swim down into it or in from the sides. So you actually don't know, or maybe some people do, but I didn't fully know at that time that um, eventually you're going to get the Metal Mario suit, which lets you, it's heavy enough that it, you'll just sink to the bottom of water. Yeah, you you almost guessed this last time <laughs> when you were talking about Metal Gear Mario and 
Yeah, I thought you were. I thought you. I thought I was going to give away that there was some kind of metal Mario, but I think instead you thought it was referring to sneaking, which is good. Uh, and then when I saw the Bowser submarine, I was like, "Oh, right. Metal Gear Mario!" <laughs> and you were like, "Stupid, that's not it." <laughs> no, you become literal Metal Mario. But yeah, this is like a funny. It's like one of those funny instances that sort of reminded me of some moments in um, Super Metroid where you could tell there was a secret, and you're like trying to get there at great personal cost but like there's something you're gonna get in five minutes that will let you just like swing right, right yeah, yeah. to it <laughs> yeah there are right there are these kind of backtracking elements that you're not familiar right you're not yet conditioned to expect that in a mario game from mm-hmm. the older marios mm-hmm. and so yeah it's really usually in a mario level anything you need to access any other part of the level is somewhere in that level yeah um and here it's this thing that you don't even know exists yet, right? This, the metal cap, which you actually don't get until quite a bit later. Yeah. And so, yeah, you you kind of struggle with that a bit and just, yeah, you couldn't get it. Yep. I did not have what I needed. A little, uh, every game's a Metroidvania. <laughs> yeah. I think that's going to be one of the growing theses of this podcast is like <laughs> everything is a Metroidvania. Um, I mean, it, it, sort of similar to this, I appreciate there are a couple of worlds where you take action that create really drastic changes in the world that you sort of manipulate big scale stuff. And they're not permanent the way raising the ship is, but I still think they're really remarkable puzzle design. And one that comes to mind, I mean, TikTok clock does some of this in terms of controlling what speed you're going in at, which does affect what you can do. Um, Right. So to clarify, depending on where you jump in, so there, there's the painting, and depending on in in TikTok clock, what time the clock is at when you actually jump into the clock, mm-hmm. it'll affect the speed of the gears and the blocks inside. It's extremely cool. That's honestly yeah. the coolest. <laughs> and there are a few, yeah, there are a few levels that that do that. Yeah. Um. So the one that I was going to shout out here, another water one, is uh, wet dry land, wet dry world. Sorry. Um, this is one where it plays a lot with changing the water levels. There's there's sort of this big mountain and it starts with the water at a medium level. And there are these little um, uh, nubbin like chime things that you can hit that will change the water level to be at the level of that thing. So this is interesting to me because this is we talked a little bit earlier about how many of the early levels in this game play with verticality um, in some ways, replacing the the horizontality of of the 2D Marios. Mm-hmm. This is one where verticality is is the key to achieving horizontal movement. Like this is one <laughs> where you're playing with because you can anywhere you can swim to, you can get right. But there's still some things that you can't like blocks you can't hit or manipulate when you're underwater. And so you have to drain. And so it's about working through like high water levels, low water levels. And one of the coolest things, this is so dumb, but one of the coolest things in this whole game to me is from the start, you can see this big fenced off column up, you know, one corner of this world from where you begin. And it's, it's sealed all the way up to really, really high. And so eventually when you get the water level high enough, you can access this thing and jump and swim all the way down that column and through a tunnel and stuff. And you emerge in like this little stone village. <laughs> There's just like a little stone village there. It's got like a bunch of houses and like a, a fence and like a little castle thing. It's like it's a lost like a, city. Yeah, yeah the sunken it, city. Yeah, it's just like a whole other little level inside this level. Like that is so incredibly cool. Like it's just they didn't again, they didn't have to do that. <laughs> 
you did, it was a good level without that. But then there's just this whole other thing there. There's a whole other level there. Yeah. And I mean, even to go back to something you said earlier, like it's so considerate to let you actually start the level with the water level how you want it at, at different heights because yeah. you can affect that from within, but it just saves you so much time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very considerate. Uh, but yeah, this level within the level, though, is not just in this level. There's mm-hmm. a lot of worlds that have kind of weird sub-levels that you might not expect when you first enter them. Yeah. I mean, uh, Shifting Sandland, I think it's called, comes to mind. The one with the pyramid at the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this one, I think, is also extremely cool because one of the things I liked about this, um, that's also true of Tiny Huge Island, uh, hmm. is that I feel like these two things are citing ideas and locations that are in the Mario history lineage so you know encountering there's been tons of pyramids in earlier marios right there's like that is it mario 3 that has the desert world second yeah with the evil sun yeah 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 yeah. um it's so cool to see that in this like evolved 3d form that's like playing with this idea that um they worked through in a 2d way earlier so you again have this sort of outside of the level but this this pyramid at the middle that is like this you anytime you get into it and there's a couple of different ways that you can enter it um you open up a thing that is the size of a whole other level like Mm -hmm. it's this massive interior one of the things i think is really cool about the inside of this pyramid is that it has both some of the sort of claustrophobic feeling hallways and crammed spaces um that you would Accept, expect of, you know, a, a pyramid level earlier in Mario, but it also has this open cavern up the middle of it. So you both have a feeling of the immensity of the space, as well as this sort of constrained, almost maze finding pathway through with a bunch of the classic desert level baddies. Um, so I just thought this is a really exceptional design. There's a lot to find in here. There's a uh, a boss that I didn't ever find or fight. <laughs> yeah, you did the more platformy obstacle course. Uh, yeah, like stars in the pyramid. But yeah, you didn't do the entering from the top. Yeah, where you make the top kind of come off the pyramid, enter the pyramid, and then fight the boss. Yeah, I think this is the only boss I didn't fight. I don't know because I don't think you fought the um, the Wiggler on Tiny Huge Island, right? You didn't do a, no. You didn't do a lot. You didn't do a ton of Tiny Huge Island, and I think this is kind of what I mentioned before that yeah. those, when you're just kind of going for the seventy stars, those later levels really do get um, yeah. ignored, or maybe you'll do one or two major stars and then really don't go back to them. That was the that was the case with both Tiny Huge Island and TikTok Clock, and these for me were the two big casualties of of that um, of the seventy star mm. structure because they're both levels where I was like, there's so much here. This is such a well thought out puzzle box. Um, I really like this, but also I have to finish this game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so maybe you can go back uh, in the future. Yeah, those are those are the two ones that if I was going to crack it open again and jump back into, I would, you know, once getting my feet under me, because those are both challenging levels, I would be going straight for those yeah, two. Yeah, I know Tiny Huge, you were... You love I love you it. You love the idea it's so of it. Cool. Oh, I have to set this up also. This is so, so cool. The way you enter a tiny, huge island, <laughs> you have your choice of three different paintings. You No, two different paintings you can enter it from, but there's three paintings of the that look like it's, you know, it's like two Goombas together. And the two ones you can enter through are through like hallways that extend in opposite directions. And in one... They look. If you're standing in the middle, it looks like they're the same length and distance. But as you run down one, you realize it's really short, and 
the painting is just a very small Goombas, and that's where you enter to start as Big Mario. Yeah, like the painting is just very small, so you're kind of the size of the painting. It's this like perspective trick, and then the other one that looks like the same size, you realize it's a super long hallway, and actually the painting is huge, so it's again a trick of perspective, and so when you enter through that one, you start out as small. Like, that is genius. That's so smart. It also took me a long time to figure out that that's how it works. But never mind that. Like, And this is, like you said, um, I think clear homage to Super Mario Brothers 3, mm-hmm. the big, the the giant world. Yeah. Which I think is, I don't know, it just seems to be almost consensus most memorable world from that it's game. So it seems to be that's the one everybody, I mean, as a kid, that's the one that I was the most excited to get to. Totally, totally, totally. So yeah, I, I love this. This is just like... This is such a good example of how much work and thought is put into the hub and its relationship with Mm, mm -hmm. the paintings and everything. Like just, this is just exemplary for me. It's so good. So were there any levels then that were less exciting to you that you, you wanted to avoid as much as possible? Yeah, I guess the one that stands out to me is uh, Hazy Maze Cave. Oh, you didn't, you didn't like that one. So there's a, there's a dinosaur in it. I know. I love dinosaurs. It's very important. It's very important to me. Um, so I think there are some good ideas in Hazy Maze Cave. I just don't think they hang together whatsoever as a world. Like, hmm. this feels like the grab bag of a bunch of stuff oh, that they're yeah. like, we have this idea for like a deep sea cave that has this like plesiosaur in it. Um, we have this idea for like a, a mechan- elevator space with like mm. coins and blocks you have to break apart, this like toxic gas area. But it's just like, it doesn't feel like one space. Everything else feels like it's one space that just has a bunch of different stuff in it. This is this is like even sort of the way it's structured. It's like a bunch of zones separated by doorways and passages and stuff. Yeah, and they kind of give you that map at the beginning. I think that's their yeah. way of acknowledging that this is kind of a bunch of disjointed yeah. ideas that we just kind of mushed together into one space. But at least you have a map. Yeah. So you can kind of conceptualize it as a whole. But yeah. Like, you know, I'm not that bothered. Like, I still got a bunch of stars out of here. Like, there's still some cool stuff in it. But I think it's just compared to... You also got mad when you realized you had to kind of do your ground pound on the head of the plesiosaur. Yeah, I did not want to ground pound that thing. It's clearly a friend. It's not attacking you. It's so mean. It's like giving you... Like, a... you have to ground pound its back to make yeah, it yeah, put yeah. head underwater. That's right. Yeah, that sucks. That feels awful. It's like clearly a friend, like a helper friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the helper friend animals in this game is something else that really stands out about it. Mm. I mean, I love, I mean, the 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 monkey's just kind of only pure asshole, I yeah. think. He's kind of unintentionally helpful, uh, but the penguins are so interesting yeah. and neat to see. Yeah, this, this dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I really like that. I always find that so surprising from this game that you have all these kind of animal friends. Yeah, it's really, really fun. Uh, and fortunately, most of them, you don't have to ground pound on them to make them do what you want them to do. No, you can just take that one baby penguin and chuck it off a cliff. No, <laughs> I would never. <laughs> Your history's greatest monster. So I guess we can bring our look at the levels to an end here. I mean, there's just so much to say about this. Yeah, game and, we and could go on. Forever. I wouldn't be surprised if we revisit some of these ideas and, and bring up other levels in future episodes. When we're there's so much things. in here. Yeah. There's just so much. And maybe you will have a chance to revisit it because there are, and again, this will give you a sense of when we're recording this, there are rumors now of an HD remaster collection. Of course. Of a bunch of um, old, um, older 3D Mario games, of which Super Mario 64 will be one of them. That'll be on the comfy, cozy Switch. <laughs> yeah. 
My favorite thing to play. It really does seem to happen that anytime you play a game, they're like, here's a more convenient way to play after you finished it. But that's, that's I mean, part it's of this fine. was playing with that controller. Yeah, that was definitely part of the experience. But if we assume that they're not going to make any drastic changes in this mm-hmm. remaster, um, but maybe have some quality of life changes, are there any things that you'd really want to see? Just kind of a list of bullet points that you, you'd be so excited to see on the back of that. Uh... Move that camera with the stick. Okay. Yeah, of course. <laughs> no more buttons. <laughs> um, I would love to see some like uprezzed or or kind of re skinned back like this game looks good like we mm. said it's it's like polygonal but it mm-hmm. it still looks good like the colors are beautiful i can imagine this looking so 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 lovely but yeah maybe something with the 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 empty void around each level <laughs> you know i came to love the void yeah like we were so this picks up on something we were talking about in the the setup episode for super mario 64 which is that I was thinking about the sort of level of abstraction that's present in a lot of the 2D Marios. I'm wondering if when you move to 3D, do you have to make more sort of realistic Cartesian spaces or whatever? And you had said that it's surprising actually how abstract a lot of this still is. Man, that's true. There's like whole worlds in this that are just like platforms floating in an empty blue sky abyss of space Mm -hmm. with like nothing above, nothing below, nothing out to the side, just like... No context. It's just here. You're in a magical painting. Yeah. That's the thing. I think the painting conceit works so well for this (laughs) Mm because you're just like, yeah, whatever. It's a magical painting. Like, it would be so hard to accept that this is a real place in a Mario world. But this way, it's just so easy to shrug at that and just be like, yeah, it's fine. So you you wouldn't even want them to clean up the the, the empty void? I really don't care. Like, what would it add? I don't know. Just make it just give it some kind of more definition or or something where it's not just this empty space. It is like existential dread just looking over (laughs) some of those levels. Falling off the side and just falling for so long before Mm -hmm. the game acknowledges that you've died. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's another thing I would suggest. Get rid of game overs. Mm. What is the structural function of the game over? I mean, yeah. And you could tell this is the game where they're realizing that I think this is kind of the generation where developers are realizing that. In terms of where game design is moving, especially with platformers, lives are kind of meaningless. Right. They're still kind of like a, limited count lives that have yeah. A, yeah. And from right, it's still kind of a hangover from the arcade days, and mm-hmm. most games don't need them and are challenging even without kind of a finite number mm-hmm. of lives. And so booting you back to you know the courtyard really yeah. doesn't make it. It's just kind of annoying. It doesn't yeah. really make that. You have to run back into. You're like okay. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. Maybe just removing that completely. We and- don't need it. We don't need it because also one of the only other things that changes, I think, is if you've like unlocked any cannons in any oh, of right. the worlds, it makes you do that again. Mm-hmm. Which I remember, especially on uh, I think Cool Cool Mountain, there was one really annoying jump you had to do off a ski lift to get the cannons mm-hmm. open, mm-hmm. and every time it was like, oh my god, how many more? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do away with that. Um, you know what? I could also do with not being booted out of the level every time I get a star. Right. Yeah. A- 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 apart w- from when the level actually has to change. Right. For right, the subsequent right. stars, which might make it. That might yeah, make that's it tricky. a little tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Because then it's like, OK, you can do these three levels in this iteration or these three right. stars with <laughs> this, this iteration. This bundle. But then we have to boot you so you can do these other stars. That might be. Yeah, that's fair. Difficult. Uh, honestly, also, it didn't bother me that much. Mm. Like it kind of gives you a nice breather in mm-hmm. some way. It like. It helps you celebrate having gotten a star mm. to be like, ah, back outside. Okay, back in. Yeah. Um, Mostly the camera then. <laughs> number one, camera. Okay. Um, I'm very scared of what Unagi will look like. <laughs> the no, they got to keep, even if they, they got to just face. keep them looking so yeah, disgusting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
For it to be effective, yeah. Rough. Like, have, don't even up him. Like, give him the same texture. <laughs> Everything else up mm-hmm. but just him still a relic of the past. Yeah. Just trapped in time. <laughs> uh, okay, so if you can start wrapping up. So let's check in with your, with your predictions from last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I asked you to predict one environment we'd see that wasn't one of the kind of traditional classic Mario environments. And so you guessed uh, a factory or industrial environment. I'd, I'd say no. Yeah, I, I think Hazy Maze Cave is about as close as we get. Um, there's some sort of industrial stuff there or maybe TikTok. I'm not, clock, I'm not giving it to you. you yeah, you... I don't think I deserve it. <laughs> I think it's fair. I asked you to predict one of the power-ups. You said that you'd get something that would help you swim faster or without air. You... Close, but no. And that's probably something you wish. You I wish. <laughs> um, I asked you if Luigi would appear. You correctly said no. Yeah. I asked you if you'd ride Yoshi. So this is and, tricky. Yeah. So you said no. Then you said no Yoshi. <laughs> I'm saying Yoshi's not in this. So I over-answered. You over-answered. We, yeah. And so you were ultimately incorrect. Um, you didn't see Yoshi, but I did bring you back to one of my old files that's still saved on my N64 cartridge where I did get all the stars. Mm-hmm. And you took the cannon up to the top of the castle um, from the courtyard and you saw what you unlock for 120 stars. Just... A Yoshi. Can I just say? Not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> but he was in the game. Yeah. Um, asked you if you'd see Mario without his hat. You said no. I blew it on these predictions. See without his hat a lot of times. Uh-huh. I asked if you'd go down a pipe. You said yes. Mm-hmm. You do, but probably fewer than you were thinking. Yeah. There are- 100%. Yeah. Asked you for an idea from a 2D Mario game that you hope is here. And you said you're hoping for some sort of race or speed driven mechanics. And yeah, I'd say there's a lot of those, including races. literal races yeah. against Cooper the Quick and yep. then um, the, slide the slides. Yeah. yeah. And then I asked you, what is the general premise? Why do you think Mario's going to the <laughs> castle? I said, it's someone's birthday. Which was close, but it, but Peach was just making a cake. She just made him a cake. Right. It wasn't for her. It, was, it wasn't even his birthday. She just wanted to make him a cake. I guess. Stuff girls do. <laughs> and then at the end, that... Amazing ending. Oh, God. Where you get the cake. It is the ugliest cake I have ever seen in media. It's so hideous. Cake is not a lie in Super Mario 64. Oh, God. It's a very timely reference. So I guess it's time for you to have the last word on this game. So are you ready with your score? I am. Okay. For making me ground pound a gentle plesiosaur minus six. For the joy and freedom of cannon launches plus 12. For the constant, unique, and never-repeated characters, plus 10. For the nastiest congratulations cake ever, minus 3. <laughs> for the levels within levels, plus 15. For a rich hub world full of mystery, plus 30. For being so excited to show you its riches, plus 10. For giving Mario the personality goofy gymnast, plus 10. <laughs> for making me use the C buttons, minus 11. For letting me change levels permanently, plus 20. For the totally unsigned posted secrets, plus 15. For that one star in the ghost house with the messed up wall jump, minus four. And for the imaginative leap of seeing all that Mario could be, plus 45 points. For a total of 144. Oh, uh, good score? Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> this game is great. Um, all right. I think that's going to be it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. I think you mean, thank you so much for playing my game. I didn't mean that at all but thank you um (laughs) as always uh you can find uh episode details and show notes at neverwasagamer.com and uh, follow us on twitter at neverwasagamer 
If you could rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice, that would be just excellent. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you next time when Michelle, for the first time, picks up her mouse and keyboard Mm -hmm. and prepares for a regular day of work at her local research facility as she continues her quest to become a gamer.